Now, aid workers operate in some of the most dangerous environments in the world. They face the threat of bullets and bombs and often the fear of kidnap. And they can work away from home in these hostile conditions for months and sometimes even years and uh, living in shared accommodation all that time. But uh, there's another risk from within their own ranks, it seems, sexual violence. Just over one year ago, Megan Norbert became one of the first to speak out, admitting to being drugged and raped by a fellow UN work colleague during a mission in Africa and a year on from that she spoke to Nicola Kelly about what happened. You know you look at lack of support networks, isolation, family and friends are far away, lack of communications often depending on the location. You factor in drugs, drugs are very common um, within the humanitarian community. How are people accessing drugs? For example, in South Sudan, without a prescription, you can walk into any pharmacy and you can buy morphine, you can buy all sorts of sedatives, um, a cocktail of drugs that you can then make or use to make your own makeshift um, date rape drug. It's incredibly easy to get access to these types of drugs in certain countries. Do you have any sense of what drugs were used in your experience? The initial tests um, came out with um, uh, morphine, codeine, um, oxycodone. I don't go to many parties these days. I am a lot more fearful um, and a lot less trusting. And do you think enough has been done to protect people before they go out to the field and when they're there? No, absolutely not. The capacity to respond to this issue within the humanitarian world is incredibly low. Um, We're not adequately addressing sexual violence against employees, against humanitarian workers. We're not adequately addressing sexual exploitation and abuse of the local population either. In the immediate aftermath of what happened to you, how did you feel talking about it? I just remember pacing around and feeling like this, this twisting in my stomach. And there was some feelings of initial regret and then the letter, you know, the messages of support. I spoke to my mother about 10 days after... Um, 10 days after I was attacked um, and that was probably the hardest conversation I'll ever have to have with my mom Um, and it was I know it was really hard on her because I asked her to not tell my dad. (laughs) Were you also still working with the perpetrator? So for that week between being drugged and raped and finally getting evacuated from Bentu I was still in the camp Um, and he was following me around but it was a small world, a small community, and my container wasn't that far apparently from his tent, and he would just stand there and watch and try to talk to me. And what would you say if you saw him now? I think the essential question I have is why? Yeah, I guess I'd want to know why. Why me? What did I do? I'd said hi to him twice. Would Um, you think he would say that? I don't think he would ever have an answer that would satisfy me. But the part of me that is still very, very human um, does wonder what I could have done differently that night or done, should I have not worn those really great red shoes, you know, silly little things like that, or should I have watched my drink, should I have not been dancing, should I, should I, should I? But I'll I'll never get that answer. Um, And even if I did, it probably wouldn't, it wouldn't solve anything, it wouldn't change what happened. And that was Megan Norbert there speaking to the BBC's Nicola Kelly about uh, that traumatic ordeal she went through as an aid worker. You're with World Update from the BBC. Stay tuned, lots more to come.